Welcome everyone to episode 182 of the Red Zone Restricted Podcast. I am your host, David Comerford, and I'm going to be giving you my reaction to Liverpool's 4-2 win over Newcastle. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Liverpool are three points clear at the top of the Premier League. They won what was really a thriller against Newcastle on Monday night, New Year's Day, by four goals to two. And all of those goals came in the second half. Liverpool had a glorious chance to go ahead in the first half about a quarter of the way through the match when Mohamed Salah had a penalty after Luis Diaz was brought down, but it was saved by Martin Dubravka. Salah made amends by opening the score in five minutes into the second half, but Newcastle made a quick reply through Alexander Rizak. Liverpool thought they'd got the two goals, though, to seal the game when Curtis Jones and Cody Gakpo found the net within five minutes of each other. Gakpo coming off the bench to do that. But then Newcastle refusing to lie down. Sven Botman scoring from a corner. It was 3-2. And the possibility of a grandstand finish. But Liverpool won another penalty with what I have to mention. Alexis McAllister playing a pass of the season contender with the outside of his boost to Diogo Jota in the, in the build-up to winning the penalty. Jota goes down. A lot of controversy over that actual decision. But when it actually came to it and Salah... Putting the ball on the spot, he made no mistake this time. Stroking the ball into the bottom left corner to seal the win, seal the three points and keep Liverpool at the top of the Premier League. Like I said, three points ahead of Aston Villa. Um, So I'll begin with a three-word match review and I've gone with belief is palpable. I don't think, well I'm not sure if you can hear it in my voice or not, but um, I was at Anfield last night and sitting sort of in in the lower main stand and you can really feel... The, the sense in the stadium that something special could happen this season. And I think that was in particular in the last 10 minutes of the game um, when Liverpool were obviously, first of all, trying to seal the victory and then especially once they got it in the bag, you know, just the the noise inside the stadium was some of, you know, the best I've experienced um, in kind of my recent memory, really. And I think you could sense it on the pitch too. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold in particular, and there was a lot of moments where he was, you know, playing with a lot of emotion, G and the crowd up. A lot of the players were doing that, and that to me spoke to the opportunity that they sent us before them this year, and and wanting to make the most of that, and how fired up they are to go and do that. I think there were certain moments where it concerned me a tiny bit, just because you know, obviously, this was only Liverpool's twentieth match of the season; they still got eighteen more to go, basically half the season. You know, you can't be necessarily getting carried away at this point and you need to show composure and you need to not overreact to things. And I do think Klopp will want Liverpool to play with emotion, but it's just about finding that right balance between what you can channel and what might be sort of detrimental to you or, you know, emotionally unsustainable over the course of a long run. But it certainly made the game um, and the atmosphere quite a a spectacle yesterday. Um, so I obviously have no idea what's going to happen from here, but there's a certain energy and excitement to this season now that I don't think we expected. I think we anticipated Liverpool probably having enough to get a relatively comfortable top four finish this year. Um, obviously returning after last year, then maybe making a, a run at a couple of the cup competitions. But you know, obviously you're in a position now where with each week that goes on, you'd be more and more disappointed if Liverpool didn't end up winning the league, even though that wouldn't really be a failure by any means, certainly. 
when you compare it to the feelings at the start of the season. So, you know, it's just, it, it's a really positive surprise. I think that Liverpool are in this position and we'll have to take it one game at a time, as much as it is a cliche, and just see because, you know, as you saw yesterday, you, you do have to kind of go to war in every single match to, to get the three points. Um, let's talk about Liverpool's performance then. I mean, I'll start at half-time really because I was quite happy with what I'd seen in the first half, I think Liverpool had actually played really, really well. And obviously Salah missed the penalty, but it was clear that if they kept going in the way that they were, that they would score. And it was clear kind of watching it in the stadium, Liverpool had been extremely dominant, but it was only after the game I found out that they'd actually had 18 shots in the first half. And it, it didn't you know, occur to me that it would be that good and, and that extreme, really. And they actually finished with the highest XG ever recorded in a Premier League match, 7.27. As Eddie Howe said in his interview, penalties do inflate that tally, but it was still around five from open play, which is an absurd number and obviously a pretty damning number from his perspective, so he can't really hide behind that, unfortunately. Um, 34 shots in total, 15 of them on target. I think Dubravka made um, 10 or 11 saves in the game. He had obviously a very strong performance in the Newcastle goal, but still ends up conceding four. And those numbers are absolutely crazy. I mean, we can't just kind of gloss over those because not only, I mean, against any team in in the Premier League, they'd be insane. But against a side like Newcastle, I mean, yes, they're in poor form and yes, they have injuries. But that team that got fielded yesterday, I mean, you've got a lot of top players in there. I mean... Even, you know, Livermento's not the first choice fullback, but he's a sort of, you know, 30, 40 million player. You know, Botman, you know, obviously back in the side now, really well-regarded centre-back um, alongside Cher. And then, you know, you've got Dan Burns, so it's not too far off what their, their first choice back for would be really. You know, Gimmer Rice in midfield, Isak up front. Um, You know, there's it wasn't a million miles away from Newcastle's best 11 by any means, and Liverpool still created that volume opportunities absolutely just tore them apart really in an offensive sense and I think the credit obviously goes to the players but but mostly to Jurgen Klopp I think for that coaching triumph and, and setting that record against such a good team and, and making everyone click and sort of building those attacking patterns and those and those relationships between his players because um, that was just a near unstoppable force that he unleashed yesterday um, and one of the all-time great, in terms of data anyway, Premier League attack and performances, you would have to say. In spite of all that, it was obviously nervier than it had to be. Newcastle punished two defensive breakdowns. I was watching the highlights back of the game this morning. Gary Neville pointing out that you know Virgil van Dijk maybe should have played offside for Isak's goal. And then obviously the corner is just a very poor one to concede to let them back into it. Really sort of box-standard corner goal as well. Um, and there was a lack of ruthlessness at the other end, which meant that the game wasn't out of sight at that point. So obviously there were moments where you were worried, you know, we're sitting there thinking, is the narrative of, of this game and, and this season going to be Liverpool dominating matches, but not ending up with score lines to show for it. But in the end, Liverpool obviously finished off with um, a couple of really high quality goals from Jones and Gakpo and then you know the quality from McAllister, like I mentioned earlier before, the penalty for Salah. Um, as for the individuals then, you know, it's it's good to obviously pick out a couple of the, the standout players. Um, I'm going to go with Salah and Diaz. 
for this one and I know there's a lot of you know praise for, for Endo who I thought had a really good game um, obviously leaving for the Asian Cup we shouldn't forget that obviously all the focus will be on Salah Curtis Jones as well you know on the score sheet a lot of praise for him on social media um, but I would go with um, Salah and Diaz from this one I think to start with Salah obviously he gets his goals he's up to 150 in the Premier League for Liverpool now but the thing I want to actually talk about is the creativity from him in this game. Um, the headline in that sense would be the obviously the Travella pass to Gakpo. We know, we've seen in the past that that's sort of a technique that he's mastered. It's one that he's comfortable trying. Um, and you can't kind of, as much as it isn't a new thing now, see Salah picking up passes like that, you can't take, take that for granted by any means. Gakpo sort of does his best really to not get the ball into the back of the net. It's a pretty awkward finish but it does it does lead to an assist and um, you know it's just another fine entry into his catalogue and you know it's just the vision as well as the execution I mean it's it's the, probably the main evolution that you can chart in Salah's game I would argue over the course of his time at Liverpool because you know he, he's always had decent assist numbers but in terms of the quality of those assists now I think it's just increased significantly um, from those early days and just some of the passes he's picking out are sort of befitting of one of the top playmakers in the league which is what he is the other one I would mention is the pass to Diogo Jota in the build up to Curtis Jones goal obviously Jota ends up basically laying it on a plate um, for Jones Liverpool scoring two almost identical goals with that sort of last action being the little um, square ball and then the easy finish but I think Salah sort of plays like a diagonal pass um, into Jota to really kind of um, open up the Newcastle defence once and for all. And that that as well, I've not seen maybe too much um, talk about that particular pass, but that was another piece of inspired play from him. And I think whilst you've got Trent and Nunez up there as well in the assist charts for Liverpool, I do think there's, there's a case that Liverpool will miss the creativity of Salah. Not as much as they miss his goal scoring because they, they have other players, like I've mentioned there, who are more um, inclined and, and better able to step up when it comes to the creativity side of things. But I do think that it might be something that people have overlooked in terms of the value of Salah's contribution. And are they going to have the same sort of creative outlet in that front line without... Salah being there, you know, who is going to step up. I think Diaz, who I'm going to talk about next, has shown some good signs in that regard in the past couple of matches. Um, obviously got an assist for, for Jota against Burnley too, so, so maybe, you know, we see a bit of an uplift from him and a few of the other players, but I think Salah has one of the highest shares of um, his team's expected goals assisted. I think I remember looking at this a few weeks back, only Bruno Fernandes at Man United had basically been responsible for a higher share of his team's chances in terms of playing that last pass so that's something else that Liverpool are going to have to figure out obviously during his absence which is still to be determined it's all going to hinge on how well Egypt do at the Africa Cup of Nations which he's obviously left for now and will miss the, the game against Arsenal um, at the weekend for definite but yeah just a an all-round masterclass from Salah in a game that obviously threatened to be a pretty bitter um, farewell before his departure but just a, another one to make you question why um, Dan in our previous episode gave him a, an 8 out of 10 maybe a, a bit of a direct response to that but as for Diaz 
Um, Jamie Carragher, I think, at one point on Twitter said that he'd been Liverpool's best player within the game. And I do think that he was... I think he obviously didn't, he didn't finish the game in the end. Com- comes off with a decent chunk of it still to go. But when he was on the pitch, I thought he was electric. And it was not too far off the player that we saw in his first six months at Liverpool. And that's the player everyone's been sort of hankering for recently with some of his, you know, maybe unrecognisable performances. But hopefully for him, it's a, it's a case that it was just sort of a prolonged stretch of, of poor form. Obviously, you know, we know what's been going on off the field, which there's obviously a strong possibility, just purely speculating that that's had a big effect. But based on how we played yesterday, I mean, that's the perfect performance for him in terms of signing off um, or, or Salah signing off for AFCON because you need Liverpool's attackers to really play their way into form before that happens. You've got Jota coming back with a couple of decisive contributions. Gakpo, um, you know, set, setting up a goal against Burnley, getting a goal here. Diaz looking a lot better. Nunez scoring against Burnley. Um, missed a few chances here, to, to be fair, but, you know, still making that decisive impact. So, They've definitely picked up and, and that's reassuring. And I think Diaz has been the one who's produced sort of the best individual display when we look at how he did um, last night. And he didn't score. He didn't get an assist. Obviously, he has, has one disallowed for um, the offside on Nunez in the first half. But, you know, he was still making a positive impact on the game. And that's often a marker of where an attacker is at I suppose and he ends the game I think with five dribbles completed out of eight attempted which is a much better stat in that regard you know I know a lot of people have been sort of pointing to his decline in that area raising questions about you know how much is it related to the injuries that he suffered and things like that but um, if he can carry on playing like he did last night and obviously it can't be a flash in the pan for him then I think that a lot of those questions will be put to bed, but you know it's still obviously you don't want to get too carried away based on on one bad performance on the back of maybe a dozen less impressive ones. So we'll see if he can kick on from this and see if he's someone who can really sort of grab things by the scruff of the neck when Salah is away at Afcon. I think in terms of his best moments within this game, the way he received the ball um, for the penalty in the first half, and how. There was maybe some questions about whether it was a penalty delay going down and things like that. But watching the, the highlights back this morning, Mike Dean um, on the Sky coverage suggested that he'd been basically knocked off balance and um, was sort of inclined to go to ground. And that's why that's why he did so. And I do think that's a pretty fair assessment of what happened, really. Um, but just the way he sort of, rather than taking it on his left, he kind of lets it run onto his right and that takes Dan Byrne out of the game. Um, and then he's obviously brought to ground after that. Um, I think was was a really nice sort of inspired piece of play. And then I also really like the decision making for the goal that Salah actually scored. Obviously missed that penalty in the end, so that didn't really count for anything with Diaz. But um, he sort of receives the ball. I think it's from Sabasly on the left, and the people around me because we were sat sort of over to the um, bottom left of the main stand, so kind of right in front of us when this was happening everyone was sort of screaming at him to go and take on Livermento who who I think you know watching it I don't think he's someone who looks like he's going to give you all that much joy in a 1v1 battle I mean that's obviously 
it makes it surprising to me that he ended up completing so many dribbles within this game. But I don't think there was too many occasions where he sort of squares up to Livermento 1v1 and then, and then just completely burns him. I think it was maybe in, in other areas of the pitch. But everyone around, around me anyway wanted him to, to take him on and to be really direct. But instead, he kind of cuts inside and... Maybe there's been a few occasions recently where he's done that and not really known what to do, but there was complete clarity of thought here. You know, he cuts in. I think it might be... I think he then beats one of the other defenders for Newcastle and then just plays a really sort of crisp um, and precise pass out to Nunez, which I think was the perfect decision to make in that moment in terms of what he could do that would be most likely to lead to a Liverpool goal. And then Nunez, you know, shows the composure and the sort of clarity of thought himself to lay it on a plate for Salah in the centre of the box. And I just think that was a nice sort of little underrated contribution um, from Diaz. And I suppose that, that's been the theme really when I've kind of looked at the, the couple of players here. Um, so really good performance for him. And it's nice to be talking about two attackers um, now rather than just praising Salah because obviously December was, was probably on the whole um, a very tough month for Liverpool's other attacking players. But things are all of a sudden looking a lot rosier in there even if Salah is about to go with, with Jota coming back and some of the other players showing signs of, of regaining their form. So we'll, we'll obviously see what happens in the coming weeks now um, with Salah unavailable. Another player who might be unavailable for a little bit of a stretch is Dominic Soboslai. Just to touch on that briefly, I mean, looks like he's picked up a um, an injury, hopefully a minor one if it is to be an injury at all. Klopp said that he felt his hamstring just before he came off. Didn't necessarily have the best game here, but was still involved in a couple of Liverpool's goals. If he is injured, maybe he wouldn't come at the absolute worst time in the season. Liverpool play Arsenal in the FA Cup on Sunday. After that, they have uh, Fulham on the 10th of January. And then, you know, if it is maybe a minor hamstring injury, maybe expect Soberside to be back for the 21st of January when Liverpool play Bournemouth. So they're not actually in Premier League action now for another 19 days from the day that I'm recording this so it's a decent stretch without a league match with with the winter break obviously and how the the round of fixtures is split over two weekends um so maybe if this was deep in the season you could be missing quite a few more games with with a hamstring issue so we'll see obviously how bad that is and how many games he does miss but Klopp will be thankful of the winter break to get some of his his players back and that might include Soboslai and we'll see obviously what's happening with Thiago and and uh, Robertson as well as they get closer to making their returns but yeah it is after the the hectic nature of December it is a slightly quieter month we'll see who kind of slots into the side if Soboslai is out you know you're most likely looking at Elliot um coming in interesting potentially to see Fabio Cavallo recalled is he going to be kept around for January and then loaned out again at the end of the month because there's any question you know that he'll stay for till the end of the season but if you're Liverpool now I think you might just say hang on we're not going to loan you out straight away because we might just need you as that extra body whether we're actually going to use you as a as a starter you know I doubt that but is he going to be someone who can come on you know late in a game somewhere or just be that extra body on the bench just for like the duration of this month, obviously I haven't come back from Leipzig and then once it gets to um, the end of the month, obviously sorting out a, a move with Liverpool having a few more players available, 
just so he can get that game time that he really needs. Might be a sensible decision, but we'll obviously see what happens on that. Anyway, I think I'll leave it there for today's podcast, Liverpool claiming a really memorable victory over Newcastle United, one that they have to fight for more so than they really should have with uh, the extent of their dominance in the game. But I suppose that made just the satisfaction of, of sealing it at the end even greater. Remember to go back and listen to our mid-season player ratings episode from um, last time. And a lot of that will still obviously be relevant. We kind of went through all the Liverpool players who played a 1,000 minutes or more and gave them a combined score between the four of us who were on that podcast. And it obviously ended up generating a bit of a player rankings for us. So go go back and listen to that. See if you agree with it. And remember, if you do have any sort of challenges you want to raise to that, um, my Twitter username and the podcast email address are in the episode description. Our next episode will be a look at the January transfer window, which has obviously got underway. We'll look at sort of what Liverpool need to do. We'll do that midway through this week. Uh, and then we'll be back, obviously, for a match reaction episode after the FA Cup game against Arsenal, which takes place on Sunday at half four. But yeah, in the meantime, thanks very much, everyone, for listening to this episode, and we will see you for the next one.